What's up, everyone? Welcome to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here with Anthony Ione and Trey Ryder. And we have an exciting show for to you today. We're going to talk about some more mock drafts. We're going to get into some news around the league, which includes, drum roll, the schedule. Schedule. <laughs> yeah, that was my drum roll. You know, Wally has sound effects. I do not. Uh, not as fancy. As we need, I'll hook up my audio board here one day and we'll get sound effects rolling in this thing. <laughs> yeah, but then he got mad when I put him on the spot to use them. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, hey, you can't say you have sound effects and not be prepared to use them. <laughs> so we got the schedule we're uh, going to release. True which is great. We're going to have some special guests come on to talk about their draft strategies. We've got buy or sell, and then we're going to talk about the pro shootout number one. So lots of fun stuff to dive into. I don't know about you guys, but I've been so focused on Myrtle beach that I've kind of forgot that like Christmas is first. <laughs> like that's actually yep. coming up. <laughs> oh, Oh, that's right. Dang. Thanks for yeah. reminding me. <laughs> yeah, like I keep thinking about the 28th when I'm going to be leaving, and then I'm like, wait, stuff happens before that, right? Yeah. Well, Anthony can't forget because he's got 8,000 people at his house. So he's, yeah. he's oh, like, that's he's right. Yes, I do have that. Yeah, he's got he's got a plan for that for like weeks. <laughs> and and he's like I said, like I demanded out of him, he's got to spend a minimum of two hours in the lab a day for this head-to-head -head right. matchup. Preparing. So if he's not preparing, we have no shot because I'm not. So I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. To be clear. If Anthony, if Anthony is not willing to sacrifice this for this team, we're going to be embarrassed. It's just, uh, it's just is what it is. Wait, 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 wait. Anthony, was this in your contract or did we need to renegotiate? No, nah, this was no, all was verbal. This was all verbal. Oh, it wasn't. It's, yeah, okay. <laughs> it, was, it was an addendum. Oh, the addendum. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it was deep in the, deep into the back. Yeah, I've, uh, I also have, check this out. So my birthday is December 23rd. My wife's oh. birthday is December 24th oh. and then Christmas. So I got, I got, I, I guess I do have a lot of things we got to work through before wow. we get to Myrtle beach, but that's a lot. Uh, yeah, no doubt. The Christmas you're in the same position. Are hard. Yeah. You're in the same position. I am Anthony. My wife's birthday is Valentine's day. Okay. So you and I both know that if you, when you get them a gift, it has to be the best yeah. gift. ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can't you feel like two. Yeah. You can't half-ass these gifts because it's no got to go two for one. No doubt. That that makes sense. It's a rule. It has been like holiday crazy though. I had three holiday parties this weekend, one my own because it was the first night of Hanukkah last night. So we did that party that I do every year. Takes me about three to four hours to make that many latkes, <clears throat> which if you don't know, it's like a potato pancake. It's very <laughs> time consuming, but I do it every year. So uh, that's been, it was a busy weekend for me with a lot of fun cornhole, just playing with friends, <laughs> not anything serious. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. Well, let's get into it. The first thing we're going to talk about here is the uh, mock draft. So last week, Anthony and Trey got into their first round draft picks. Now we're going to go into the second round. Uh, so Trey, you want to lead us off there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think mock drafts, no matter what, they get harder as you go to, as, as you go further along. Right. I mean, because I mean, if you think about it, you're trying to predict based on your current knowledge. And by the time we get to the second round, we're going to have a whole different list of players that are available in comparison to the first round. Right. So for example, you know, when I look at, when I look at my list, I have, you know, coming at the turn, I have Berkeley pair at 16. I'm going to throw out there that I, I have AJ Sims actually going to the Carolina coasters at 17, which doesn't make a ton of sense as far as regional bias goes or anything like that, but I think he's a really great player. Now, AJ Sims could go six picks before then, right? And that oh, screws yeah. up the entire flow 
yep. of that second round mock draft. Now, since doing this, I do have a little bit of information when it comes to the coasters. I think the coasters, as best as they can, are going to be shooting for a regional team. And I got that information late last week, direct from the team, right? I think they're going to be very heavily going for Carolina. Um, now, not a, bad, not know, a bad area to go after. <laughs> right, right. It's not. But I think all things considered, I think you may have it where if these picks smush together and, you know, I got a list of 10 players that I think are pretty equal, it would not surprise me if the Carolina Coasters purposely reach and grab someone that's from the region. So I just – that actually, I'm going to keep my mock draft with what I had, but it would not surprise me if they say, hey, you know what? Uh, if, between Tyler Poitras and Frank Modlin and uh, Derek Holland and, you know, even uh, Kaylee Hunter, um, you know, a lot of these different players, if they're available, I don't know. Well, I, I, I just, I, I, I got some new information that kind of makes my ears perk up a little bit. So, um, so I have the Carolina Coasters going after uh, AJ Sims. The Missouri Mays, and led by uh, Vincent Frisch, right at that 17 spot. I have them going after Vincent Frisch. Anthony had Vincent Frisch in the first round, also yeah. going to the Missouri Mays. So him and I are kind of aligned in that. We think Ryan Windsor may have somewhat of an affinity and respect for the game of what Vincent Frisch has done. And being a high-profile rookie, I don't think it's surprising either one of us that that Windsor may, may go after Frisch there. Um I had the Chicagoland Spinners then going after Tom Gustafson. This is a big discrepancy in Anthony Nice draft, right? Anthony has Tom Gustafson going like fourth overall to the Marauders or, or whatever it is. So um, from my perspective, he's, I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be available way back then. Anthony's saying no chance in, in, in hell that he's going to be available then. So, um, But I love the regional favoritism there. I think if Gustafson... He's kind of one of those floor picks right there for the spinners. I think if Gustafson is there for the spinners at 19, there's no way he goes below that. They're going to take him. Um, I got the ringers going after Jacob Foreman. Part of the reason for that is because Matthew Creek Killer is already placed onto the ringers. So you got a chance to get pretty much a top 10 team locked back up with Creek Killer and Foreman in a spot where it doesn't feel like a reach. That's the key. It's okay to put doubles partners on a team together, but only in it's in a, if it's in a position where it doesn't feel like a reach. Foreman is a second-round guy. He has the first-round high side. He's got third-round low side, but he's a second-round pick to me. And so if the Ringers can snag Foreman, I think that's an overall win. I then have Justin Burton Jr. going to the Bully Baggers. Anthony disagrees that he's going to be available then, but I love Texas going after him. Brett Guy going after the high rollers. Again, I think the high roller mentality is going to be from looking at it from when you have Halbert, Henderson, and Thorne. We want experienced winners. They're also going to think through the round-limited format. There's nobody better at winning in a round-limited format than Brett Guy historically. Um, Jacob Beamer to the timber. I think Hisner's, um, Hisner being on that high rollers team, knowing how good Jacob Beamer is, Falling all the way there. That's another one of these picks where Anthony's like, Trey, you're crazy. That guy's not available in the second round. But I don't see him dropping too far into that second round. Adrian Brunson with the California Slingers. Michelle will like that one. I got Adrian Brunson as a second round pick, nice. which is not, I don't believe, on Anthony's list at all. Adrian Brunson going to be something that's got a really high upside. Um, 
but it's going to have a pretty low floor as a rookie. This is going to be a risky pick, but I think because of that carpet bag style led by Tony Smith, I think it's going to skew that a little bit and be willing to take the risk on Brunson. Florida Freeze, James Baldwin. You're going to tell Cheyenne Bubenheim that her pro partner is available in the second round when she was going to take him first overall last season if she had the chance? Yeah. I believe she's going to be chirping in Alex Rawls' ear, take James Baldwin, take, take, take James Baldwin. Now, the thing is, I don't think they should. I think they should wait to the third round, yeah. and that doesn't mean they won't do it anyway, right? Um, wrapping it up here. Kentucky Colonels grab Nate Stevens. They recognize how good Nate Stevens is because they're from Kentucky. And so they don't want him to continue to drift. And that's going to be a huge value pick there. Moses says, wait out the Arizona burn. They see firsthand how good Moses has been. And a lot of the country is kind of forgetting how dominant Moses was in a round limited format um, the, uh, this, this past summer. Georgia Sliders grabbing Caleb Franklin. Caleb Franklin is a shooter, and, man, did he have some really high finishing um, uh, events this past season. I think Noah Wooten's going to recognize that. I think I believe they also played on the Skunks together. They knew how good each other were, and I think it's an opportunity to snag Franklin. The Michigan Marauders, how much would this? How great would this be? I got the Marauders getting Jeremy Shermerhorn if he's available. I think that would make everybody – Including our guests coming up, very happy if we uh, if they were able to steal Jeremy Sherwoodhorn late yeah. second round again. Don't know how if he'll be available. Don't know if they may risk it and say I don't think anybody's going to take Jeremy and they come back around in the third round. They only have six picks in between their two picks in the second and third round. Do they try to steal Sherwoodhorn there? I'm not sure. Wrapping things up, Virginia Cutters <clears throat> with Jeff Reynolds. That's Justin Stranger's pro partner. High level of respect there and a high value pick. Um, Alan Rawls with the Ohio Aviators. Trey Birchfield's going to say, I, I hang around with Alex all the time. I know how good Alan is. He's going to be underappreciated. Go after and steal him. And finally, the New England Woodchucks, Michael Dingus. And I think this is one of those picks where they go, I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's Michael Dingus that I love here. It just happens to be. He's the best player on the board, and he's dropped considering where he was ranked last season, where where I think he is skill-wise. I just don't think we can continue to let this guy fall in the draft so the Woodchucks pick up Dingus. All right. What do you think, Anthony? You guys got some big differences there? Um, I mean, you know, uh, we kind of talked about this. It might have been on the ACL Live, but we were – I think we only have four different picks in the, in the first couple of rounds. But we did position them a little bit differently – uh, like the ones you were mentioning, I went a little early, you went later and vice versa. But your comment coming coming out with the first pick in the second round, we've got the turn, right? Like you talked about with the Carolina Coasters. Interesting that you said that there's that regional focus. I'm also getting that chirp kind of in the background that that's going to be a regional focus. So that works perfectly into my draft picks. I actually went Maudlin Poitras on the turn. So you're going to get both conference players. And if we went all the way to the third round, I have them picking up purser in the third round so that fits perfectly into that regional uh that kind of regional focus uh for the for the coaster so that's very interesting that you're getting that as well um second pick in that second round uh maze um and as we're kind of going through this i'm looking i love the discussion going on in the background about the draft you know you get all this this guy should go first this guy should go first round i'm really looking big picture i'm not looking at talent alone i'm looking at bag sponsorships I am looking at stylistic connections, friendships, 
You know, there are some players that are pretty quiet, you know, that do have some enemies or just some people, not necessarily enemies, but people they don't get along with really well. You know, so I'm taking all these things kind of into consideration. That second pick for uh, for the Mays, I'm going with a talent pick here. It, it doesn't really fit in really to any of those things. This one is pure talent. I'm going to go with the Nate Stevens. That's pick 18. If we're into that second pick in the second round, we're talking the 18th pick overall. This guy is a number five best available if we look at finishes from last season. So for him to go in the second round, this one kind of hurts my feelings a little bit because I think he is first round worthy, but I have him go into the Florida uh, or to the Missouri maze round three, the Chicago land spinners. Um, you went with Gustafson here. I had, like you said, I had him much earlier because of relationships, because of bag sponsorships. He linked up twice there with the Chicago land spinners. That's why I went number four, not necessarily pure talent. Now he is a good talent. Is he a fourth round talent? Maybe not, but there were some other relationships there that kind of forced me to do that. I'm going to go with an MF or Mike Ferreira, uh, Chicago land spinners. Um, I'm picking them up there. Pennsylvania ringers. You've got Harbaugh Creek killer and Altice as captains. We share this one. We both went Foreman here in the second round. Um, Trey, just a question for you. Why do you think that Foreman isn't worthy of a first round pick to get Creek killer, his partner right out of the gate? What are your thoughts there? Yeah. Um, so if I look, let's see where they're, where are the ringers there? The ringers are, they'll be 13. Yep. They could, um, but in my draft in particular, like I have Alec Ryan still available then. And if I have the choice between Jacob Foreman and Alec Ryan, I'm going to take Alec Ryan, right? I think they're going to go carpet bag. Um, now, if Alec Ryan is gone, I just see as far as carpet bag throwers go, it really just depends on who's still available, right? I still think if I'm looking at they're going to go carpet bag mentality straight down my list, uh, Ryan Smith, Fisher Hamilton, Ryan Wiedenfeld, uh, Gavin Cano, uh, Caleb Batson, Alec yep. Ryan, Berkeley Pear, Vincent Frisch. Um, to me, those are all players that I would put ahead of Foreman, right? So I think it just becomes wh who is available from a carpetbagger perspective. Those would be my picks first, but it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if they want to get a sure file first pick. It's not going to be a bad pick. I just think. I think they're also going to have the mentality of, I don't think anybody behind us in the next few picks before we get to the second round will take Foreman away from us. Boom. Yeah, we're thinking the same thing. I went JBJ as their first pick, Justin Burton Jr. Six picks later, they can grab Foreman. I think that is a smart move. I think he's still available. So, yeah, we're kind of thinking the same thing. Yeah, even um, if you go through it, Chicagoland, I don't think it's going to take him. Missouri Mays. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe that would be there. that would be Windsor wanting him. That would be Windsor wanting him. Carolina Coasters? No. no. I don't see the Coasters taking them all. So really, you're, what you're gambling is, are the Mays going to take them in between when I can get them? And I, I think the answer is no, but if they're not sure about it. You know, yep. Wally and I interviewed Harbaugh on our show, and he basically said that that is something they're going after. He didn't tell me which round. But I asked kind of his strategy, and he said we definitely would love to get his partner. So we'll see. We'll see when he gets him or if yeah, he gets no him. I can't wait to see how it's going to shake out. Um, yeah, next one for me. Uh, so this is be your fifth pick there in the second round. Texas Bully Baggers. We're thinking the same thing. You went JBJ. JBJ for me was already gone, so I went with a with a with a with a Cano. Um, so he's going to be picked up there. Lost. Vegas high rollers. And I think this one 
for me, had the most discussion around the draft, and it, it served its purpose. It's exactly what I wanted. I really wanted to build conversation around Kyle Malone. I have him going in the second round, hands down, a first-round talent. But we talked about bag sponsorships, relationships, regional affiliation. For me, as I was kind of going through, I just didn't really see where Kyle fit. I mean, he is definitely going to, if he's going to be picked up, it's going to be based on talent. Because if you look at bag sponsorships, I mean, he was kind of alone last year, a lone guy, you know, with, with his bag sponsorship last year. He's in a smaller team again this year. So there's not a whole lot of relationships with, with bag sponsorships. But talent-wise, the dude is insane. And he's a pretty quiet guy. You know, he's not clicky. He's not going to be a part of these big clicks that people are going to look in and go, hey, he's a part of my group. Plus, he's an awesome player. Plus, he's in my bag sponsorship. I'm going to grab him first. He's not that guy. And that's kind of why I had him going a little bit later. But certainly, he could go number one right out of the gate if he doesn't. It'll be very interesting to see where Kyle Malone goes in the, in the draft. Um, Colorado Timber, I have uh, uh, Dingus going. This is where you grabbed Jacob Beamer. I did, ha did have Beamer much earlier, and this is some interesting knowledge just that I've learned kind of recently. Jacob Beamer's kind of fallen off in his, in his uh, gameplay, and I've heard this from a number of sources. Now I had him going, I think it was number six, because he was the third available pick, because he was a top, top 30 guy last year, but I'm hearing, hey, if you started the pro season today, he wouldn't be killing it like he was last year. So be interesting to see if Beamer can kind of get his stuff getting getting together before the pro season starts. Um, California Slingers, I like Berkeley player pair. I think there's a connection there with Tony Smith. Um, just a solid player all around. Definitely uh, second round. If you look at ranks, he's not in that second round worthy. But ignore ranks. The dude is insane talented and he can do anything. I like him there. Florida freeze. I have Alan Rawls going. I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. You went Baldwin. I like that too. If Baldwin's still available, I do agree. I kind of see him falling down a little bit now in the draft. I like an Alan Rawls who's trending up. And of course he's the captain's brother. So you have a relationship there. Kentucky Colonels. I got Brett Guy. Arizona Burn. I went Jeremy Shermerhorn. You've got a team ultra connection there. Plus, I think he's second round worthy. Uh, the, the guy's killing it right now in singles, in doubles. Georgia Sliders. Uh, I've got Brandon Jones. Uh, I do see him as a second round talent. Um, he's also improving his game. Uh, I think he would be good uh, pick for the Georgia Sliders. Sarah Cassidy, uh, the first female off the board in the draft. I think a second round worthy. I think she's overlooked if we look at pure stats. Top of the food chain. I mean, if you look at the list, she is not far down from number one. She's a proven champ on a broadcast. I think would be a great pick in the second round for the Michigan Marauders. That would be Neistead, Power, and Kufis. We're going to have them on the show a little bit later. Maybe we can ask them a little bit about Sarah Cassidy. Virginia Cutters, I got – that's where I have Baldwin going, kind of at the backside of that second round. Caleb Franklin, uh, Trey, I also have going in the second round to the Ohio Aviators. And the New England Woodchucks, you got Trzinski, Humans, and Hogue as captains. Tyler Cobb, obviously a connection there uh, with Humans pro pro partners last season. Um, we talk about relationships; they're a pretty, you know, a pretty good relationship there. Plus, he's the talent that kind of fits that style of all three captains. Finishing up my uh, my second round there, Mish. All right, very interesting. <laughs> we will have to find out in just a couple weeks here. But let's go ahead and transition into our news around the league. The uh, many times asked, the 
couldn't have any patience for this to come out, the schedule is finally here. <laughs> I know that it has been the topic of conversation um, for many people, but we're very excited to see all the places we'll be going this season. Uh, Trey, what do you want to add in there about the schedule? Yeah, I think it's just worth noting kind of where the main nationals are going to be. We'll be in Corpus Christi, Texas, April 7th through the 9th uh, for the ACL kickoff battle. The Cornhole Mania is going to be in Erie, Pencil Erie, Pennsylvania, going back to our home in Erie that we always love, uh, May 19th through the 21st. Uh, Portland, Oregon is going to get a national, the, the 2023 ACL bag brawl. going to be in Portland, Oregon, June 9th through the 11th. The final chase, um, the Cedar Point, Cedar Point Sports Center, so that great amusement park in Cedar Cedar Point is going to be right there, um, kind of on campus there, having our our ACL final chase, and of course wrapping things up uh, at uh, the World Championships, July 27th through August 6th. They're going to be a, a big one there. Shootouts, kind of going all over the place: Myrtle Beach, Topeka, Kansas, Rapid City. South Dakota, Miami, Florida, Fort Worth, Mesa, Arizona, Minneapolis, Wisconsin, Ohio, um, kind of all, all wrapping up again at the World Championships. So um, didn't want to spend too much time, but you can always go to the website um, right on the main page. I play cornhole.com. It's got the full schedule. But, yeah, it's going to be going to be another exciting year. So schedule's finally out there for all the nationals. Very cool. All right, let's bring our guests on. We are going to bring on Joe Neeset and Jordan Power of the Michigan Marauders to talk more about draft strategy. So, uh, yeah, welcome, guys, to the show. What's up, guys? How's it going? Nice. What's up, Joe? <laughs> Jordan? Yeah. Um, you guys, have you guys been heavy in the draft planning mode? You guys got your, your kits together yet? You got your notes? You got your binders? <laughs> I'm excited got, to see these I've binders you guys are preparing. Excel spreadsheet. Uh, yeah, a lot, <laughs> lot of research being done. Uh, you know it. You know it. That doesn't surprise me at all for you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that is what uh, I would expect. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'll take first question as as Jordan's gonna try to find his way back in here. Um, I'll ask you, Joe. So, kind of taking control here um, with the team. I think the first question that everybody likes to ask a captain is it being the Michigan Marauders, right? It's got a regional feel now. Is there, is there a, a desire, a want, a need to add Michigan players or Michigan region players to your roster to make this have a hometown feel? There is, but at the same time, um, I think I think we're gonna go with a little bit of a different approach to it. We're just gonna go, you know, you know, try and get the best player available, um, and that's kind of what we discussed um, the past couple of weeks. Been doing a lot of research. Uh, it's a more difficult approach, but I think in the in the long term it it might pay off because you know we can always kind of come back to our region, but um, not. I don't think the, there's gonna be a whole lot of teams that are that are really reaching out. And, um, and grabbing the talent out there first. All right, let me ask you this then. So best available is, is your kind of strategy, but when you look at that lineup, right, you're going to go, okay, I'm looking at six or seven dudes that finished the season ranked 24 to 31. Mm -hmm. They could be pretty similar. I mean, you're talking about one loss probably in the season that separates them in, in finishes. What takes over when you're looking at players that are pretty level – talent wise 
I guess first question, does does bag sponsorship, does a shared bag sponsorship come into play at all if you have level talent that you're looking at? There's there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things. I mean, Trey gave us that spreadsheet. You know, we got we got bags, we have um, you know, everything. The the company, we have like the different style they have. Um, one major thing I look at is like weapons. Like what can you do when a block is out there? It's a round limited format, right? So like mm -hmm. there's a lot of players that can throw bags in the hole, but all right, do you have the cut? Do you have the roll? Do you have an airmail? Like what is, what are your other throws? Like how fluid is your throw? Um, like everything really goes into, into account, but. Okay. So you're saying, um, I guess you're saying I'm taking away that you're not ne that's not necessarily like a huge variable for you. You're looking past that into right. IQ, into I mean, strategy, into play. Everything's a variable though. <laughs> everything. Everything gets taken into account. I mean, I'm I'm looking at everything. That's that's so that's <laughs> what I was that's what I was doing as well because when your guys' pick comes up, there's a very strong possibility that both Gustafson and um and Bernasette are going to be available. Um, I think there's a connection there. I'll, I'll be also right through that the Titan brand, you know, uh, with Jordan. Um, I, I don't know, like friendships, bag sponsorships. So I'm just trying to understand, is that really at the forefront or is that like just a secondary thing, like pure talent? And then we'll start considering that stuff. I, I mean, like I said, like everything adds up, but like in doubles, like, like you said, like chemistry does play a huge difference, but like, <laughs> then there's also like, like you guys were talking about earlier, there's like, there's certain people that don't match. There's alphas. Mm -hmm. If you throw an alpha with an alpha, they might not, they might not match together. You know, you kind of gotta, gotta balance. I, I take everything into account. Everything. Right, I'm going to throw you one curveball, one curveball real quick. Yeah. Sorry, Trey. Yeah. You have the no, fourth pick it. in the draft. You have the fourth pick in the draft. <laughs> Kyle Malone is available. You said you would take best available. I think he's the best available. Do you take him? I'm not going to go over that kind of strategy, no. No? I do have – to get too much out of him, Anthony. I do have, like, uh, there's plan A, there's plan B, there's plan C yeah. and plan D. Like, I'm very digital logic, like, type. Like, I, if then, like, I, I want to have a plan for, for everything. I have the fourth pick, and it could go four different ways. Like, I, I honestly don't know who I'm going to pick. But um, All right, he's not in your region. He doesn't share a bag with you. Do you even consider him? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. You consider yeah. him. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so you're telling me. So, at this current stage, do you guys know who, in order, your first round pick is going to be, no matter what? Has it, that decision been made? As in, you have plan A. You said you had plan A. So, if you yeah, have yeah. plan A and plan A is available, if not, then plan B. If not, plan C. If not, plan D. You've made that decision. That decision's done. Yeah, there's four. Yeah, it's A, B, C, and D. Well, we have the fourth pick, so yeah. I mean, then in second round, I mean, it's it could, yeah, it could go anywhere. Like, I just want to yeah. be, I want to be flexible. Um, and I like like Trey was saying earlier, I don't want to reach. Um, that's the biggest thing. You look at a lot of these top names. Um, you look at the statistics and like how they're performing this year. Like, really isn't like how like their rankings look. Like, you look at. I could. I just looked it up like a few minutes ago. The rank. I think he's ranked like 250 in like PPR and and um and four bag percentage. That guy also beat like Jamie Graham, Trey Birchfield, and Matt Guy in one tournament. Like, there's 
there's guys that like could go in the second, third round, but they could also like drift all the way back to the ninth round. You don't know what people are going to look at. You yeah. don't know if they're going to look at, you know, like you said, regional bias or like bags. So like there's, there's guys that like that have that ceiling to beat anybody um, that could go super deep. So it's true. Jordan, Jordan on, on your end, you know, Joe's obviously very analytical here, right? Which I love. Um, and he's got this all laid out, but as the draft goes on, it's less and less logic, right? Because it's more of who's available, kind of gut feel, quick decision time, right? So, Jordan, when you look for someone and you have to go by your gut, does experience playing with them, against them, speak to it? Are you looking are, – are you going to hone more in on experience of who you have experience playing with and against, or are you trying to really try to be as neutral as possible and look more at numbers? Um. Fire, man. I don't, I don't care about numbers. I don't care about any of that. When you get to that board and you're down 7 nothing in a round 6 of 10, what are you going to give me? Are you going to fold? Are you going to throw more bags off? Or are you going to buckle down, throw a blocker, and bang three airmails and get a four-point round for me? I need someone. There was people on our team last year because kind of in a way I was a co-captain with Eric Anderson on the um, Gushers that play second, and I helped him along the draft and helped him do – multiple things throughout the year. So I have an idea how it goes. I just want people to get to the boards like like 930, man. Like get there and show that you want it. I had someone complain last season they didn't play. We threw them in and they showed up like at 10 o'clock right when you're supposed to start playing. Like that just can't happen. We're all professionals. Get there, practice, be ready to go. Um, experience though on the big stage does become a factor because now with this yeah. TV thing, you don't know about the playoffs being on TV. Like the playoffs, if they're on TV – you need someone when they get up there, those lights aren't going to be bright. I want someone that's comfortable up there that doesn't yep. care about what the crowd says. Just get the bag in the hole. Let's win the game and let's move on with the tournament. Last question. I know Michelle's got one. Michelle's got some too. Last question for me, for Jordan. So if this was an, a play to 21 format, would you draft any differently? Um, Yes, because there's yeah, certain yeah. that start off slow in games, and you know that as a competitor or as an analyst. There are players that will start down eight nine nothing, but can get back. You can't start down eight nine nothing in this. Mm -hmm. You got to go off rip and try to get up, or just try to wash and be like Joe said, be able to execute that big shot when you need it, that roll bag, the cut bag, a big time airmail. Yeah, I, I was thinking, kind of piggybacking off what you were saying. Like it sounds like what you're looking for are certain kind of personality types, right? That when the pressure gets really, really bad they respond a certain way. So how are you able to determine like who has these personalities, especially if it's someone you have not played against, like you're just kind of going off hearsay or how do you know? Um, I, I watch a lot of Cornell. I probably watch about four to five hours daily of I'll pop up random. I'll look up a random person I see on the pro standings and be like, all right, let's look at his Facebook. Let's see what videos he has out there. Nice. And you know, you go to all these opens and you see the people you play against them all the time. <clears throat> So you know the person that's going to fold and you know the person that's going to stay true to who they are and be able to execute and get the job done. Yeah, the ability to block, I mean, to block out everything happening, I think would be a big part of that when it starts, especially when you're down in the round limit. Yeah, I message Jordan about like once a week and I'm like, <laughs> oh, what do you think of this guy? Like, what <laughs> what do you see here? Like, I'm definitely like, he's he's just a huge resource. Like, he's, he, you may he not a lot about the game. You may not always have the same experience. So I might play somebody tough, but then Joe may say, 
well, I've played this guy like three times, and you know, man, I just don't, I just don't think he's got what it takes, you know, to do it. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. at the point where then we talk about, okay, well, let's look at other possible options. Like in the second, third round, you got to start looking, okay, maybe Joe played this guy well, but maybe when he played me, he didn't. So then we got to start looking at numbers. We got to start doing all that to figure out, hey, what's the story when he plays others, not just us. Right. That's going to be right. huge, man. We we talk so much about these first two rounds in the draft. We, we know that this whole thing is going to be one in the middle to late rounds. It's a best out of seven format. So I think that that research, that homework you're doing is going to come into play when you get into round, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's it's going to it's going to add significant value to your picks. How often has Jeremy Shermerhorn been in both of your inboxes trying to get drafted? <laughs> I know he wants this team so bad. Every oh, every always, car ride to every tournament, we're always talking. There's always about trades, it. though, we'll right, see, guys? We'll like see. that's got to help, I think, a little bit, right? Knowing there's always a trade possibility. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I tell you what, Anthony, you had Jeremy Shermerhorn going to the burn two picks before them in the second round. If that happens, he may go over to Doug Zapped and say, no, (laughs) I refuse. I refuse to be drafted by you guys. Uh, (laughs) So, okay, last question from me, at least, and and if any of they have any others. Um, You you talked about research, right? Um, And in in my gut, right, you guys are elite level players. So you're used to playing at the end of tournaments. So you're very familiar with a lot of these top players. How much of your research has been geared towards the top 25% of players in the game versus, say, for lack of a better term, your bottom 50 or your bottom 25%? How much of your time is spent kind of evaluating both sectors of, of the available draft? I would I would say for me, uh, a lot of it's towards the bottom, um, like – yeah, you have all these top names in the first, you know, two, three, four rounds. Um, like a lot of, you know, you could kind of predict who's going to go in the first few rounds. But like you get to that middle and it's like uh, it could go anywhere. So um, I feel like having that knowledge like right in the middle, not necessarily towards the end. Um, I think that's going to help us out like a lot. Um, so that's kind of where I've been focused. The top is the top. I mean, uh- Sure. Okay. If say if you had the number one pick and you're cho- choosing between like Jay and Ryan Wienfeld and Fisher Hamilton, between those three, there's little talent gaps, but not huge. Not anything you're gonna go. Oh man, if yep. and went in front of Ryan Wienfeld, that'd be a shock. Like no, like any of those guys can go one, two, three. Me being biased, of course, that's my partner. I would draft him one. Why wouldn't you? And doubles world champion. Right. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and then that's where knowing a player's style, knowing, you know, can they handle the big stage like you were saying, knowing those other little factors come into play at that point when you have level-loaded talent in front of you to choose from. So that, that research is going to be huge for you guys. All right, my my last question for you guys. This already feels very different than last season. Do you think all the teams are taking this much more serious going into this draft than last season? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> going into last season, like I heard – you know, there's a lot of players complaining, you know, what are we playing for? What's going on? Like, they didn't know really, like, what it was for. Um, so a lot of them didn't really take it seriously. Um, so I'm, and having everything kind of laid out beforehand, um, I feel like is really going to change the game. And that's another thing. 
I, I took note of everyone last year walking around the venue saying, well, I don't know what we're playing for, so I'm not really going to try. Trust me, none of those guys are grand up on the Michigan Marauders. Yeah. Passion. Big, big thing is PMA, positive, positive mental attitude. Yep. Positive mental love attitude. It. You got it. PMA, I love it. Look at that. I know, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's super important to look at, though. I think that's a great point because it's what people are doing when they think no one's watching. You know, that's what you really want to pick up on. And that's a great way to gauge that is how people responded to last season's teams and what kind of attitude they had towards it. So I love that. All right, guys, we are unfortunately out of time, but it's been awesome to talk to you and get to know more about your strategy. We look forward to watching what you do in the draft and watching your team this season. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us, guys. Appreciate you guys coming on. All right. It's time for buy or sell. You guys ready? Let's ready. Go. All right. First one being Brett Guy and Eric Davis should be the favorites again for this season's ACL Pro Shootout. Buy or sell? Yeah. Uh, Jeff McCarriger is going to have my head when I answer this, but uh -oh. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell selling it. it. I, You're selling I, it. I, I. He was so. He texted me. He was so mad that they weren't in my top ten of my power rankings. He said, "What are you doing?" I said, they don't win in non-round limited formats. He yeah. said, they're they're back-to-back -back champions. I don't care if they're playing two-round formats, right? He's <laughs> he doesn't care. He's he was so mad at me. Um, I'm gonna sell it. I, I I I just can't get over it. I don't know what it is. I just it's got this mental block in my head that I can't make them the favorite. I'm gonna sell. Anthony. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I know exactly what's going on in your head trying to talk yourself into it. But I, I just, I got to give them credit. This is yeah. where credit comes in. Back-to-back -back shootout champs. Only two teams have done it. The other one, uh, Graham Guy, went back-to-back. -back. They got it done in singles, too. Brett was a, a singles uh, winner in 2021. Davis was a uh, shootout winner in 2022. I mean, these guys have put almost 160 k in their pocket in two years in shootouts. I got to give them that. I'm going to buy it, Mish. I'm gonna, oh, yeah, they've, earned, they've earned it. They've earned <laughs> yeah, it. Good. I like it. All right. It is a shock if Cheyenne Bubaheim doesn't win pro shootout number one and the shootout championship. It's a shock. What do you think? Buy or sell? Buy. It's a buy. buy. She's won buy? it twice. Yeah, it's a shock. No, no I, hesitation I, I, buy. No hesitation buy. It's. I would be shocked if she didn't win both. Um, you know, I... I if in the shootout championship she had like something crazy happens, like she has a, I, like her heart breaks her arm, maybe, but like <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. So, I just so short I, of breaking her arm. Yeah, I'm <laughs> breaking her arm. Anthony, what do you think? All right, we're we talked credit before. Let me talk credit again. Uh, back to back reigning champ, right? The most dominant female bagger in the in the sport that we've seen to date but this is where the shock thing comes into play i mean the female talent is increasing exponentially cheyenne is taking losses today that she wasn't taking last year we saw what rosie did uh last week where she raised the ceiling of the game completely with some of the numbers she was putting up I i'm gonna sell that it's a shock uh she's certainly the favorite she's definitely the favorite but it wouldn't be a shock if another lady came in and took that down i mean Let's not forget, too, is Samantha Finley, who was second two years in a row, and now she is throwing out of her mind right now. Not a shock if she loses, but definitely the favorite. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to sell it. All right. 
it's going to take a few events before we see a rookie win a pro shootout by herself. What do we think? Oh, is Trey frozen? He's frozen. I'll go ahead and talk a little bit. Um, So are we going to, it's going to take a few events to get a rookie. Um, So there's three shots, right? We've got, we've got doubles. We've got women's singles. We've got men's singles. So three chances for a rookie to come out early and win it. On the female side, I don't see a female rookie coming in and winning a shootout in the first half, possibly in the second half, someone like a downer or a huge back, but I don't see it coming out of the, out of the female specific pool. I think the rookie strength lies with the men just coming in this season. They're looking really strong. Um, I mean, look at the top 10 power rankings we dropped. We had some, some rookies in that. Um, This one's tough. This one's tough. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to buy and let me explain why I think, I think the format is going to be somewhat new to the rookies, right? Mm-hmm. Strategy is going to come into play, um, you know, into their particular games, making decisions. I think the elite level pros have that advantage coming off of the last two years of playing round limited formats in teams, in shootouts. I think they've learned something there that the, the rookies haven't yet. So I'm going to buy, it's going to take a little bit of time. And I agree. Cause we saw that happen with Mark Richards. What do you think, Trey? Yeah, I'm back now. Uh, I'll buy it too. I just think I think it's gonna be a little bit learning curve, right? Yeah. Or there's not a there's not that much of a learning cor- curve, and they overanalyze the learning curve, right? They're mm-hmm. like they think too much about it, right? Yeah. And and understanding it. So. Um, well, because so it was shocking it. when you see like a Matt guy or a Mark Richards, you know, not getting it done, and then you start to think, wow, like what's going on there? I can see how that could get in a rookie's head. All right, for men's singles, Alex Rawls and Jamie Graham are the safest bets to win a shootout. Buy or sell trick. Buy, buy a hundred percent. Right? They just, they just know how to do it. And in, in the times they won too, it's just like, they just like put their foot down. Like this is mine. Like I, I don't know. I just think they're, I just think they got this round limit format figured out. They're playing really, really well. I just, I think it's, I think they're just a shoe in right now. Okay, Anthony, what do you think? I agree. I agree. Uh, Jamie Graham has won. Check this out. Back-to-back years, doubles and singles. The only player to do it. So he's won a shootout at every event he's played. Um, Alex Rawls was a rookie last. What's that? That's a good track record. Yeah. I mean, you can't can't deny that one. Alex Rawls, now he was a rookie last season, right? So he only has the one year of play. Won doubles and singles in the round limited format. Um, and the thing about Alex Rawls is he has the perfect style of game for round limited formats, in my, in my opinion. His IQ, his patience to make the right shot selection at the right time. He plays a controlled speed to the whole game. He's always going to be right around the hole. And he has the ability to sneak out those one or two points, which we know is key in round limited formats with a strategic push. One of the, one of the better pushers in the league. He's added a roll bag to his game. Player A. Might go on for one. Player B, Alex Rawls, who has a roll bag in his back pocket, could a, a roll, attempt a roll and squeeze a couple points out. I buy. I, I think that. I think that's. Uh, I think that's well said. Definitely the best two. All right. Last one. Quick. Quick answers. Matt Guy and Mark Richards break the curse and win a singles pro shootout this season. Buy or sell, Trey? Sell. Sell. Anthony. I'll say they won't both win. Mish, is is Matt Guy airmailing over a level one block this season? I, I think so. I don't think I sell. 
I'm going to, I'm going to get on the side of yes. <laughs> Great question though. All right. Let's talk about our pro shootout. Uh, this is going to be on December 29th in Myrtle beach. We're going to play all the way down to the finals. And then the finals are going to be played at the super bowl in Glendale, Arizona in February. Trey, what are we looking out for here on shootout? Number one, couple things excited to see some rookies playing a shootout. Um, so some, you know, we got Ryan Wiedenfeld, we got Fisher Hamilton. How do they handle the round limited format? Excited to see some, you know, one player in particular, we get to see Bella Soprenant in her first shootout. She becomes age eligible hey, yes. to compete in the shootout this year, which is really cool. So we'll get to see her compete for the first time. I think some would argue she would have won one last year, right? Does she win one yes. this season? Um, then from the double side, a chance to see some diff different pairings, mm -hmm. right? Some things in particular we've been praying and asking Noah Almanza and Duncan Clemmer to play together, okay, we're finally going to get to see that in their first pro shootout. So that's exciting to see, to see how they're going to pair up together and how they're going to play. And I tweeted this out. I found this very, very interesting. Um, when it came to doubles registrations, you have Cheyenne Bubenheim, James Baldwin, Jordan Camba, and Frank Modlin all registered for the shootout. If they were playing with their pro partners, it would easily be, and being the first event of the year, I can see switching it up later, right, Anthony? Later tells yeah. me, look, my pro, my partner can't make it. It's a last-ditch effort. I'm trying to squeeze in. But for the first one, number one, on New Year's weekend, when all these pros are going to be there, you have Cheyenne Bubenheim going to be playing with Frank Modlin and James Baldwin playing with Jordan Camba. Obviously, Cam and Baldwin have the history, the world championship. But that tells me, Anthony, and I, I don't know about you, that tells me this is, well, what happens if, right? What if these two teams are really successful, right? And if they are really successful, my gut tells me this is setting the stage for a possible partner flip. Given that James Baldwin did not succeed as Stop much last playing. year alongside Cheyenne, but he needs someone more on the attitude of Jordan Camba. And if all cornhole is saying, let's mix these around and see how it plays out. I don't know. I love that partner switch on both ends. If we could get it to make it happen. Interested to hear what you say. Dude, you just blew my mind right there. That just <laughs> blew my mind up. It makes complete sense, but I never even would have like reached for that. That's like, that's out there, but makes sense. Man, that blows my mind. Um, yeah, real quick, Misha, I see we're running out of time. I've got like a minute. So God, I could talk. I literally could talk 30 minutes about this open registration. Um, men's singles. Uh, let me just pick a few. I definitely have my eye on the eight no qualifiers coming out of the uh, pro qualification. Uh, Felix Vargas, Josh Gl uh, Glover, Glover, Glover uh, Blake Karnick, and Gabe Dolan. I definitely want to get some peeks on these guys. What are we getting out of eight no qualifiers coming into the league this year? Um, interesting to see what Clemmer looks like without a pro X in his hand. I'm definitely going to be looking for him to watch some, some matches. Jacob Beamer, I talked about him a little bit earlier. Has he really fallen off? Like the rumors have said, I'm going to be looking out to see what he can do. My eyes on Travis Purser. What is the 2023 Burnaset looks like? I think there's a chance we might see an improved Burnaset. Camba, what does he look like coming back? I definitely want to get some peeks in on Camba. Uh, moving on to singles. I don't see Emily Downer or Lexi Hugeback registered for the shootout. I'm really sad about that one. Um, would love to see them in the field. 
I think that they could make a lot of noise and runs in the women's division. So this was a first chance to get a look at them. All three women coming up, Streaker, Coy, Finley. Definitely want to see what the, what we got from them. I think Coy's changed her game. Streaker, we talked about her pushing the envelope. Samantha Finley, an improved player in doubles. I want to see what Poitras and Hunter look like together. I've got my eye on uh, Caleb Avery partnering up with Berkeley Pear. I have not got to see him play live. I know he's an OG. I want to get a peek on that. Timmy Jonas is improved. Eric Anderson is improved. What do they look like today as a partnership? Matthew Stout and Storm Hogue. That one's a unique one. We saw this, what Stout could do a year and a half ago. He was pretty legit and elite. What does he look like now with, with a Hogue coming back? And then David Ryan. We know Alec Ryan is a top 10 talent. Can his dad hang in doubles? He's proved a little bit in the open series, but I want to see those two together live at the shootout. Love it. All right. Hot takes. You got yours, Trey? I just alluded to it. I think... Cheyenne Bubenheim no. and Frank Modlin do what? so well wow. at shootout. We see a partner flop for the Pro Series coming up in 2023. That would blow. That is the best hot take ever. That would blow my mind if it comes true. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Write that one down, Mish. I'm gonna go with Alex Rawls and Trey Burchfield win shootout doubles. My hot take. All right, I'm going to say Mark Richards wins this first shootout in singles. Come on, Mark. Okay. Ends the streak. Ends the streak. Done. First one comes out strong. All right. That's all we got time for. We will see you guys all next time. Thanks for joining us.